0: for having me out to your house. My pleasure, Dan. Great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's go right into it. I've known you quite a while. You were my sister's band director and um, band director at, at uh, a few schools, we retired. You told me you just failed retirement, and we'll, yes, we'll talk I've, about that. I've, I've clearly failed retirement. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't we start, if you wouldn't mind, from the beginning, maybe some musical upbringing, uh, schools you attended, musical highlights, why you chose to uh, be in band and why you chose to be a band director?
1: Well, I, I grew up in a relatively small town, uh, Freeport, Illinois. It's about 25 miles west of home of the pretzels. Home of the pretzels. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I was a pretzel. Yeah. Pretty normal for us, pretty strange for everybody else. Not everybody has a snack food as their mascot. Um,. My mother was a church organist, so every morning at 6.30 a.m., like it or not, on Sunday morning, mom would be downstairs on the piano practicing her music before she went off to play um, services at the Lutheran Church, um, which is what her job was. We went to one of the other churches in town. Um, but I became uh, involved in, uh, in taking piano lessons when I was about seven years old from, from Mrs. Burgess. And that really gave me a head start on um, my musical journey. Um, when I started uh, my band instrument, trumpet, in uh, fifth grade, um, you know, that was uh, kind of a breeze for me with all of the musical basis that I had already begun. Um we had an excellent junior high band program in Freeport, something that everybody was really, really proud of. The director's name was Lester Wurntz. I also took private lessons from him, as did just about everybody um, in Freeport who wanted to be good on their band instrument. He's one of those very few teachers that was really qualified and really adept at teaching all of the instruments. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our, our junior high band program had um, exceptionally high standards, and um, we were very proud to be part of that program. Um, from there, uh, Freeport High School uh, band program and orchestra program. Um, and uh, to my knowledge, Freeport High School is the oldest continuously operating um, school orchestra program in the nation. Oh, wow. Um and, uh, you know, in contrast to the way uh, scheduling demands are now, um, my junior and senior year in high school, I was able to be in band and choir and orchestra. That would be really, <laughs> really difficult to do nowadays. Um, but, you know, I participated in solo and ensemble contest and um, audition for IMEA. Um, a particularly crystallizing experience um, in my life was uh, not only being selected to IMA District for the first time as a junior in uh, 19... It would be the fall of 1974. Um, and having the opportunity... I was placed in the district orchestra, and I was the principal trumpet hmm. in that. And that was my first taste of... Uh, having to transpose a part. I've never had to do that before. But I was playing the the principal trumpet in Tchaikovsky's Capriccio Italien. And we were playing in the wonderful concert hall at Northern Illinois University and playing with this large orchestra of really talented players. And it it was kind of that moment I said, wow, this is just awesome. I want to do this. I want to make this uh, my life. Um, being involved in music. Uh, the same year I made the All-state band and, and another great experience and that was back in the day when the all-state concerts were held in the concourse of the Arlington Park Racetrack <laughs> in Arlington Heights. Um, out of all of the places in Illinois. That's where the all-state concerts were held, but it was a, a big honor to be part of that. Um, about my junior year in high school, I told, uh, I told Mr. Wernz, my private teacher and former junior high director, that I wanted to be a, a band director. And um, he's one of those people that will really make you think about that decision and, and try to talk you out of it and made you realize that, well, most of what you do isn't what you see the, mm-hmm. the director doing. Um, and he said, but, but if you insist on going that direction, I'll support you in every way in every way possible. Uh, so starting my junior year in high school, in addition to my trumpet, my uh, first instrument, Mr. Werns taught me private lessons on flute and clarinet and drums. So I did that my junior and senior years in high school. So on uh, every Monday, which was my private lesson day, I would take a bundle of instruments with me and I had one lesson before school and my secondary instruments um, after school. So were you still keeping up with piano at this uh, point, too? uh, I had stopped piano lessons formally, um, I think, when I was in eighth grade. Um, But I still, and still do to this day, play piano um, as much as I can. I do uh, some accompanying, um, help out at church uh, when I can. And I've uh, inherited the piano that I took lessons on okay. <laughs> as a kid. It's in my living room. It's a 1908 Steinway baby wow. grand. It's a wonderful instrument and uh, and, and a great treasure. Um, looking towards college, um, I decided on Illinois State University uh, over some other choices. It just felt right for me, and it, it turned out to be an excellent choice for me. Um, I was actually... Uh, a part of the very first edition of what they call, uh, since that time, the Big Red Marching Machine. Before that, it was just the ISU Marching Band. And so um, I was part of that. Um, uh, I was one of the better trumpet players in the, the band program, in the trumpet studio, and um, I played in uh, orchestra, um, played for two years, one of my Best ensemble experiences being in the Madrigal Brass Ensemble, which played for, I think, 15 or 16 Madrigal Dinner performances mm. between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So, um, upon graduating from uh, ISU, uh, my first job was in Itasca School District 10, which is up near O'Hare. And, um, My first year of teaching was the same year that Ken Snook, the legendary Ken Snook, started at Lake Park High School. Okay, So I made it a point to get to know Ken, and um, I got to be a part of his marching band staff with the Lake Park Marching Band, which um, was in the early stages of an absolute dynasty of... um, of state championships and um, learned a lot about that kind of the marching band activity. So I did uh, three years at um, at Itasca, which was a um, grade four through eight elementary junior high program. Um, it involved two K through five elementaries, a public, K th- a public six through eight building a Lutheran K through eight building and a Catholic K through <laughs> eight building, and we all we all combined as part of the Itasca band right. program. So I did a lot of traveling uh, during the day, and um, uh, being my first job, I made a lot of uh, mistakes and learned a lot. I thought you were going to say a lot of money for a second. No, I didn't. <laughs> and. And I think, uh, as it, it, as I remember, my first teaching salary back in my first year, I think, as I remember, it was twelve thousand eight hundred. And what year was this? This was in nineteen eighty one. Okay. Um, after after my first three years at Itasca, I took a leave of absence um, because um, it was my desire to number one get a master's degree, but also. Uh, move on and teach at the high school level. That's kind of where my where my sights were directed. So I earned uh, a graduate assistantship at the University of Iowa in music education. I had a, a wonderful experience there, uh, being a grad staff with the Hawkeye Marching Band and being a part of their symphony band. And um, just having some, some great experiences there um, with uh, Dr. Myron Welch, who's director of bands emeritus at the University of Iowa. Morgan Jones was on the staff there. Um, and, and just a whole lot of great people. Um, looking for a high school job after that one year at, uh, at Iowa, it, um, it turned out to be uh, the best thing for me Uh, to go back and and return to my previous job in Itasca for one year. And at the end of that year, um, I interviewed for and got the band director job at Lockport Township High School. And uh, as it turns out, as I found out early on in the the process, that, well, the job was really the band director and the choir director. (laughs) So in a high school of 2,200 students... I was the band director and choir director, the only music teacher in that high school. The music man. The music man. And they had offered that job to both of the previous directors. There had been two directors. They were cutting it to one. Neither of the previous directors wanted it. So they got this young sucker who was was ambitious enough to uh, want to do anything to get their first high school job. And so... Uh, that was uh, that was me um, fortunately after uh, two years they hired a, a part-time choir director to come on and, and take over that um, I like to I like to tell people that um, I started with 62 students at Lockport and when I left there were 230. The fact is I started with 96. Hmm. The second year, there was 62. Okay. <laughs> so um, there were, there were some, some changes along the way. There was some learning on my part, some students that, that just uh, weren't buying into, some, some cultural changes that needed to happen within the, the band program, but um, enough students uh, stood by my vision for the, the program and if we we could talk about that for a second, mm-hmm. in your opinion,
0: looking back, would that were there some kids that didn't return the next year that you wished would have returned, or was it mostly mm-hmm. addition by subtraction?
1: It it was really most addition by uh, mostly addition by subtraction. And the, and the analogy I like to use is sometimes, if you want to have a beautiful thriving garden, you have to you have to get rid of the weeds. Okay and sometimes they get rid of themselves. But um, having high standards and the, uh, the primary strongest uh, feeder program for Lockport Township High School at the time was Homer Junior High. They had been a perennial junior high super state band and, and mm-hmm. really, really strong players came out of that uh, program. But it it didn't seem like they were getting at the time a better experience at the high school. Okay, and so some of them, you know, didn't continue or or dropped out. Um, and this was a pretty storied program, right? Right, it had Lockboard, been it it it, it had fallen on some some weaker times and um, needed uh, needed a, a booster shot. Sure. Um, and um, that's what I tried to provide for the, for the program, and um, I made some, some really valuable connections. A, a, a great friend of mine that I met my first year at Lockport was George Perrard, who, <clears throat> who was in the Cheney Manji mm-hmm. Junior High program. Right down the road from us was, the, was Ted Liga and, and Joliet Central, and, and so many... Um, other uh, legendary programs that I looked up to and and idolized: Juliet Central Willowbrook, Lenbard, East Marian Catholic, and um, I made connections with those directors, find out how they do what they do, how they got their programs to where where they are, and that's that's just a big cornerstone of of what I was able to do is relying on some really strong. Mentors, and um, so you know, once we started um, experiencing some uh, success at Lockport through um, festivals and and traveling, um, one of the biggest things uh, that was a huge shot in the arm for the program was the first time we made Superstate, which mm-hmm. was 1990. Um, along the journey to that Superstate appearance, we had the opportunity to have. Um, William Ravelli come out to our school and um, work with our, our band. Um, we arranged this through Vandercook. On the day that we had arranged for Dr. Ravelli to come out, uh, the plan was for me to pick him up at Midway Airport and drive him to Lockport. And and he was going to do... We had arranged an all-day field trip. Okay. And... Um, So he called me early in the morning, uh, collect, uh, that his flight was delayed because of fog in Detroit. And I said, well, let's see, the fog will probably lift at some point, just be on whatever the next plane is and let me know when you get in. I'm going to go to the airport and wait to get in. So he finally got in and, and we ended up starting a little bit later. And we, but, but we still got, uh, I think, four, four and a half hours of time um, working on their music with him. And it, it was just a, a great experience. Um, we had publicized it in newspapers. And, and some of uh, Ravelli's uh, former students who lived in the Lockport-Joliet area uh, came over to, to say hello. And um, so then I, I drove him. Uh, back to the airport and we had great conversation both ways, you know, about his uh, start in, uh, in the music profession. A uh, few days later, I get a, a handwritten uh, envelope from him. Um, expressing his thanks for the opportunity to work with the band and wishing the band good luck. And it included uh, a $5 bill, which he included to help pay for the collect call. <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was just uh, just uh, the, the greatest thing. <laughs> um, so uh, because of uh, the string of uh, 14 Superstate appearances, uh, that we had during the time that I was Lockport. You know, the success just built upon itself. In um, 1992, I, uh, I was awarded an Outstanding Chicagoland Music Educator Award, the Quinlan and Fabish Award. Um, I decided to, to take the band to the second Bands of America National Concert Band Festival in 1993. At the time, it was held at uh, Pickstager Hall, on the okay. Northwestern University campus. And there was a who's who of great conductors, educators, band people as uh, evaluators. Um, looking up, I would see in the balcony, Dr. Ravelli evaluating conductors. Frederick Finnell was an evaluator. Um, uh, let's see, Ray Kramer uh, was there. Um, Richard Crane, um, just uh, any number of, of great people, you know, a great opportunity for the students to perform on a national stage like that. Um, we did that twice, in, uh, again in 1996 and in 2000, and these are all life-changing experiences playing at the National Concert Band Festival. So uh, I, I, I can't say enough good things about my uh, 15 years at, uh, at Lockport. Um, I have some wonderful relationships with the students from that time, and many of them I still, I still keep in touch with. Uh, many of them are in the band profession uh, still. You know, that's, uh, that's where a, a whole lot of things um, in terms of that – that program, uh, resurrecting and, and building that program. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, certainly it has gone even beyond that uh, nowadays. So I'm delighted to see all of that continuing. Um, after Lockport, um, I was at Lincoln Way East, um, from its opening in 2001 to 2003. I was at Elk Grove High School, 03 to 05. And, in 2005, uh, my, my good friend, um, Bob Page, called me in and told me that his wife, Valerie, was um, going to move from... Um, her job at Plainfield Central High School to back to the middle school elementary level and that the high school job would be opening. And that might be something that I might look at. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was driving a really great distance to Elk Grove from the southwest suburbs. And so that was a, a really um enticing possibility and, and so commutes uh, are not as fun as people think and commutes are this is, not this fun, is before no. podcasts too. So <laughs> Right. Sure. And um <clears throat> it was also before the southern extension of three fifty five had been completed. Yeah. Uh my first year at Elk Grove, I was driving a round trip of about a hundred miles a day. Oh gosh. So yeah. um
0: and, and that sounds it's interesting because I'm sure the morning was okay tolerable I'm sure a normal day would be fine but if you're a band director and I'm assuming you're having two rehearsals at least a week i mean you're, you're probably looking at some pretty late nights there
1: well we we had uh, as as part of as part of the schedule jazz band happened at 7 a.m. <laughs> Which means I'm leaving at five thirty to five forty five to get up there, and uh, there were some I can think of three or four or five late nights where there was such a late night and an early turnaround that I actually got a hotel room and yeah. stayed overnight in in that area, and that was not something that was going to be sustain- sustainable long term sure. with a with raising a family, so. Um, I uh, I looked into the Plainfield Central job and everything about it felt right you know the, the Lockport Plainfield Joliet area is those are band towns historically they're band towns going back many decades and a century um, and so it, it just felt like a good opportunity for me and it turned out to be just that and um uh, my last 13 years were great ones that I enjoyed greatly at uh, Plainfield Central High School and in uh, developing that program it had um, it had become a, a little weak and um, we brought that back um, to a, a good level of success and and prominence and quality
0: and then you're retired now and every day you wake uh, up
1: have coffee Watch TV and go to bed, right? Um, well, yes. I I retired in um, in uh, June of 2018, and as uh, as I like to tell people, I flunked retirement. Um, you know, you you uh, you start going to school, preschool, kindergarten, and throughout your public school years, in your college years, and then your teaching career. You're on a school schedule, mm-hmm. you know, starting in August or September and going into May or June. You're on a school schedule, and um, all of a sudden, when you retire, you're not, and that's a that's a big change. And uh, with it, unless you're really active, that sense of um, getting up every day with a defined purpose mm-hmm. um, isn't there. So. Um, I'm just kind of uh, um, restructuring or rewiring um, uh, myself and I, uh, I took an opportunity last year to do a uh, maternity leave position at Plank Junior High in Oswego which I did for about two months and um, I uh, have also been hired by North Central College in Naperville. To be a clinical supervisor for practicum and student teachers in instrumental music, and um, well, just a week ago I started on a paternity leave position at Oswego High School. Okay, so which I will be doing till the end of January 2020. So, yes, clearly I have uh, I have failed, but. Um, um, I get to say yes to what I want to do.
0: Is that the difference? Because I and, and I'm I might be speaking on a turn with this, but I notice a lot of music teachers will retire and then they'll start working mm. again. And, and I don't know. I don't talk with a lot of math, English, science teachers mm-hmm. if that's what they do also. Um, but I see, you know, my high school band director retires and then within a year, mm. He's working at a, a right a, an elementary school program and then a middle school and and goes on another ten years. Is it because you get to say yes to things? Is there part of it where now that you're retired, I mean, is it a little less stressful to just kind of focus on the I don't know the fun parts of it, and not have to deal with the other things?
1: Yeah i I think it's uh I think it's uh, both. You get to say yes to what you want to also. You know, it's just in our in our DNA that that we want to make music Mm -hmm. and uh, and and teaching music. You know that is uh, that is a a big part of it, and part of it is uh, you know if you're subbing, it's like uh, being a a grandparent. You know, you're you're taking care of the kids for a defined period of time, and you're giving them back to the parents. And there's a definite end to it too.
0: Yeah, as opposed to. You know, teaching in Illinois, where we might retire someday. I mean, you're fine, right?
1: But, <laughs> but, but I think, um, I think with uh, music teachers, it's, it's way more uh, prevalent for us to stay involved, stay making music, sure. um, because uh, it w- with music teachers, it is like the the ministry. It's a it's a calling for us, not a job, and I think. In some other areas, and I can't speak for, for them all, I think less teachers in other areas do a, a big amount of subbing. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, they might do it because they need the money. Sure. Um, but I, I, I hear more of them say, I'm done um, than, than music yeah. teachers. Sure. So. How
0: long? How long is the official career then? Thirty six plus thirty thirty six years 36 was years.
1: the was the total. Yeah.
0: Okay. So so if we go from year one or maybe even pre year one to year thirty six, obviously some things changed. Some things stayed the same. What are maybe some things that you noticed in that career um, uh, span? Maybe some things that were the same. What What are we doing today that we still did back in
1: the late seventies, early eighties? I I think our human to human, person to person connection with the students, um, that is still very much the same, and and I think that. Um, the, the connections we make with them, caring about them as people, that is a constant. What's changed a lot certainly has been the, the technology. Technology has made our lives, um, speaking as music teachers better. Our ability to communicate on a moment's notice with our students mm-hmm. and our parents and our, and our administrators is a lot better. Um, We use uh, communication, you know, to to keep track of kids for student safety purposes, for scheduling. Um, So there's lots of benefits to that. We can listen to great recordings of the music that we're studying and have our students listen to um, recordings of the music they're studying, Mm -hmm. record themselves, send in recordings of them. There's all kinds of in-class usages for for technology that that didn't exist when I started, we were recording concerts on reel to reel, and then on uh, and then on uh, cassette, and we got music on LPs or, mm-hmm. or cassettes and, and things like that. Now we've got um, endless and instantaneous access to to technology. Um, the, the The negative is that with the prevalence of of technology especially uh, social media and you know the phone devices that kids have with them every minute of every day they're a lot more distracted than they used to be and so we have to at times struggle for their focus in the classroom and uh, the, the 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 focus is uh, at times difficult and a lot of that is due to uh, technology. Sure. Do you think it maybe hasn't affected music
0: classes as much as some other classes? And I just say like, we, we replace textbook now, textbooks at our school are, are usually digital right. and the students have a device. Um, even if we're reading music off of iPads, they are still having to blow in a horn or hit a drum. So I, for mm-hmm. me at least, I look at it, I'm like, I right. I get what you're saying. It's definitely affected it, right. especially if there's a long 10 bars of rest. You see mm-hmm. a a kid really inspecting their horn, French horn bell, right. putting the phone in there, but
1: yeah. I
0: don't know. Do you think it's as bad for us as it might be for some other classes? No,
1: no, no. I, I I don't think so. And and you're right. You know, how we play a wind instrument or a percussion instrument sure. has not changed. And that that won't change um because, you know, that's that's it, you know, at you know our our voice, our body. You know, are is still the instrument, and the instrument is the amp- amplifier for for ourselves. Sure. You know, we are the, the human being playing that, and that can't be reproduced any any other way. Um, but we've got other technological. Um, advances that can help us teach those instruments better, sure, um, more efficiently than we used to be able to.
0: So then let's tie that efficiency thing into um, maybe your first years. And, and I think today you and I would be a bit of an anomaly because we both had private lessons, at least around this area. Mm-hmm. I'm finding at my school now we have little right. to none private lessons. How was that looking at Plainfield, your last few years, were there more kids taking private mm-hmm. lessons at the beginning as opposed to the end? Did it kind of stay the same?
1: It it had always been rather on the on the low side, and, okay. And a lot of that is uh, is cited by students and parents as as an economic thing, sure. Um, and so you know, as, as teachers, we have to take that into uh, account and overcome that. You know, it's a it's it's a reality in in many places. I don't think I ever taught in a place um, uh, except for for maybe, you know, towards the end of my uh, tenure at at, at Lockport, where I had a a really high percentage of students taking private lessons and, you know, no secret that that would be more the kids who were in the higher level sure. groups as they find out that that's what they need to do to be in a higher level group. Okay, but um, you know you can you can access um, online private instruction yeah, via Skype yeah. or or video lessons from somebody. So um, you know it's up to the uh, to the imagination um, to you know search out all kinds of resources, but they're there.
0: So, as music teachers, we know there's some ups and downs at times. And um, you know, you were saying earlier when you talked to your your uh, your teacher when you were younger, saying you want to be a band director. He he told you, "Here's the reality of it." There was there any, uh, especially since we have some newer teachers that listen to the show. Was there any um, challenging point in your career um, that you can think of, and um, how did you how did you get
1: through that? My first year. Um, was probably the most challenging year um, that I can think of. It was uh, kind of a, a struggle, just kind of new to the profession, figuring things out and taking a program that had uh, a, a veteran teacher. And a lot of it was uh, related to classroom management and, and dealing with um, students in the the classroom there were some things that I may not as have been as well prepared for you know I, I can still remember the names of some of those students that gave me a lot of trouble <laughs> that that first year and you know I I think you have to to go through that and um, you have to ask for help from from other more experienced people and that's always the best thing you can do in your uh A younger teacher. Did you walk into that school with a a mentor in place? Um, Outside of my college instructors, I didn't really. Okay. Um, You know, you kind of find out by keeping your ear to the ground who's got the strong programs in the area that you want to talk to. Um, you know, and I was you know pretty near uh, Wooddale yeah. Junior High. Frank Campisi, um, Bob Wiss was right next door to me in Roselle. Um, and I remember you so saying, to... "Yeah,
0: you were seeking those people out." I just didn't mm-hmm. know if at the school because it seems like today you go into yeah. a school, they're setting you up the mentor, there's professional development no, that, for everything.
1: You know, we, you know, I we we didn't really have a mentor. Um, within the school, at least in the instrumental area. Um, I did have have an exceptional uh, partner in the music department, Ann Lesher, okay. who was on the uh, general music vocal side of it. And she was as, as much of a mentor as, as she could be. Um, and she was very helpful to me getting through those, those first few years. So then, where
0: you're in your uh, current position now at North Central College, and you're you're helping out new teachers, you're coming mm-hmm. to, or uh, future teachers, I should say, and you're observing them. Um, so they're going to walk into their first year teaching, and and based on what you know, you've gone through and everything else, what's the best advice that you can give them without them paying for the class at North Central?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I think new teachers need to. Um, have a mentor that that uh, does their job, a band director mentor um, nearby that they can uh, bounce ideas off of, ask for help. They need to not feel like they're alone. We're in a unique position as band directors as we are very often, especially when you're starting out, the only band director in the building mm-hmm. where there's a team of math teachers, a team of science teachers, English teachers, PE teachers, you're the only band director. And so, you know, it's very easy to feel like you're alone and you're on your own little island and nobody else understands what you do. And that's because nobody else understands what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have a, a mentor, Um, outside of your building or or in your building yeah
0: and it's it's also kind of strange starting off i know some place where you're the only one in your building um and i know at least we we play this game at joliet sometime which is nobody understands what we do and then there's well nobody understands what we do (laughs) and and there had been a past colleague that said you can't have it both ways You, you know you're either in the culture of the school or you're not. Um, do you think maybe sometimes those new teachers could, um, you know, take advantage of maybe somebody that's not a musician, but you know, I mean, let's talk about this. What are what are some things in the classroom classroom teaching techniques that you think might transfer over from, I don't know, another typical classroom because it's not just rehearse
1: rehearse rehearse all the time you know some of the some of the best uh learning you can do and 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 i'm kind of uh, getting away from that finding a a mentor in your field sure you know every other teacher in that building is someone you can learn from yeah no matter what their subject is um i've i've been fortunate uh in, in Plainfield, for a, a couple of years, we had a program where teachers were encouraged, um, urged to go and visit another classroom of somebody else who teaches another subject and just visit their classroom. There is so much to be learned from that. There's classroom management. There's um, how a, a teacher might um, uh, solve this problem, how they might teach this concept, and you'll find ways where that is applicable to something you're yeah. teaching in your music classroom. So as long as you're open minded enough, there's learning to to be derived from any any teacher you just have to be really open-minded about that absolutely um so i know you've had to
0: maybe advocate for yourself and some programs in the past with the administrations and, and communities do you have maybe either any examples of that or any um suggestions for you know music teachers to to advocate and and talk about the importance of their program and why it still matters in the school
1: um. I, yeah, I think uh, advocating. You have to. You have to blow your own horn. You have to be uh, out there spreading the good news about what you're doing every chance you get. You know, getting photos out there, getting to uh, the the media about the good things you're doing. Get that. Getting that information out there to parents and your administrators. Administrators don't always understand what it is we do, and they may not be willing to find out. Um, Mm. So it needs to be incumbent upon us to educate our administrators about what we do. All of the new education and all the new education concepts and newfangled ideas, which is not really newfangled, um, are things that have been done before but a lot of the good things education is looking for we have been doing as music music educators we are we give immediate feedback we differentiate instruction like nobody else does you know we've got different instruments we certainly have different kids within large ensembles and we're differentiating instruction constantly um, throughout every class, every minute, every day, we're giving immediate feedback, you know, um, upon, uh, performance. You know, you don't have to wait to, to take the, the test to find out how sure. you did on the quiz or the test, you know, on this repetition, you know, we need to do this better. This was wrong. Immediate feedback. Let's do it again with, with these corrections. So, you know, th- we, we know, but we know them as music educators in terms of our music language. We just have to put it into language that administration understands. Okay you know, maybe we've got good. to meet them on their turf in terms of the, the language. Sure. And maybe a proactive PR approach, proactive <laughs> PR approach. And, and uh, there's so much opportunity to do that with yeah. social media. Everybody's got a, a website nowadays, um, getting the, getting the, the good word out there about, uh, about what we're doing. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there, there's lots of opportunities, um, for the music department, the band program to be the best ambassadors for the school, mm. you know, when there's a, a performance or when somebody needs to represent the school, it's often the band or choir that is called upon. And more often the the, the band, <clears throat> we need to relish that opportunity to a point without becoming, you know, merely entertainment sure. for everybody who wants it. Yeah. Um, but it is important advocacy, you know, within, within boundaries. Absolutely.
0: Um, so 36 years, uh, again, public school teaching there, you've, you've probably performed, uh, I don't know hundreds of pieces with with bands what are we all know the whole suites we know we know Granger we know um, Alfred Reed um, are there any maybe lesser known or lesser performed works even maybe from those composers um, that you would like to hear more bands
1: perform or that you might want to suggest to some people out there well I'm I'm a bit old-school in that that regard but um the music of Frank Erickson, um, air for band, toccata for band, and, and other pieces of his are, are wonderful, well-composed pieces of music, um, whereas a lot of uh, new music now is kind of formulaic music. Claire Grundman, another um, name from that era, the American Folk Rhapsodies. Uh, there's a piece that I've run across uh, a few times, um, an Edward Elgar piece. Everybody knows Enigma Variations, but he wrote a wonderful piece called As Torrents in Summer, okay. um, which is a beautiful lyrical uh, piece that can be performed by, by a good junior high band or high school band. Um, Malcolm Arnold, Prelude Siciliano and Rondo, that was a piece that was performed, but I haven't seen it done very much, uh, recently. Um, David Hulsinger has written a large number of works, but I still think his best works are his hymn song settings. And, um, Yeah, I'd like to see more of them uh, being performed. Um, And John Barnes probably in a lot of people's libraries too. Absolutely, Um, uh, John Barnes Chance, who uh, who was taken um, too early, is a great composer. You know, we know variations on a on a Korean folk song, Um, but there's a piece of his called Elegy, which is um, just a a gorgeous piece of music. a great teaching piece and it doesn't get performed very much um, back when I was starting out uh, Claude Smith um, some was some some fresh sounds in that era in the mid uh, mid 70s and so and so forth um, incidental sweet emperadas uh, is, is pretty well yeah. known yeah um, Um, John Mackey is a, is a composer uh, who is currently doing some just some groundbreaking work right now but one of my favorites of, of his um, is a, a beautiful lyrical piece about a grade three level called Sheltering Sky um, I, I keep coming back to that as often as I can and, and it was commissioned by um, a couple of middle schools in Oswego um, the, uh, as you mentioned before, the, the Holst Suites, those are still – those are, are landmark works mm-hmm. in uh, in the wind band repertoire. And let's also not forget uh, transcriptions. They used to be all bands played. Yeah. Um, transcriptions and marches, you know, before the, the wealth of um, original band works um, – and and there's a lot of that, but the great transcriptions are still worth playing. Um, Kenneth Singleton um, out in Colorado has done a number of transcriptions of you know what we like to call warhorse orvatures. Sure. Um, one that I've done recently, which I, I I love, and my students fell in love with, is um, Morning Newt. Noon and Night in Vienna by okay. uh, Franz von Zuppe. And, um, you know, pieces pieces like that, some of the older uh, transcriptions. I you liked know. some of
0: the transcriptions, just to put in my own thing here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I it, it was interesting because at Joliet, we routinely have um, fairly strong woodwinds and the brass are not as strong. And for us, transcriptions just ended up working, especially – when we would find some piece where the brass parts were written in fourths and fifths and you know, it just, and here's still a challenge for the woodwinds and and things like that. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice to hear that. At least that's the approach that I would take on it. What were, what were maybe some approaches that you took when selecting
1: literature? Selecting literature that I've, that, I feel, is the most important part of my job because I believe the literature is the curriculum. And um, I uh, struggled and agonized um, over literature every year, you know, because I wanted to make sure that I picked the right literature um, that fit the group and also fit a, a program. You know, we often are looking for music to, uh, to play for a 30-minute concert program or a 20-minute festival program, and you need to fit within that, but also have variety. <clears throat> You'll look for pieces that, um, that the students will be able to not only play technically, but also play um, musically with musical beauty and, and phrasing and not just merely scratching the surface of notes and, and, and rhythms. And so that's, that's something I took very, very seriously and spent a lot of time uh, deciding. And um, looking for, for pieces, um, I would always look for programs that people we're doing that I respect in the, in the profession at the high school level, at the college level, what pieces are people I respect doing? Mm -hmm. And I made lists and lists and I've got, I've got so many literature lists and I go over and over and over those lists, the same lists every year, add to them and just go over them. Yeah. And so I became kind of a, a connoisseur, of, of band literature. Um, I've uh, assembled a, a list of pieces that I did um, on, uh, at Lockport and at Plainfield, you know, year by year. This, these are the pieces that I did mm-hmm. the, this year. And so I can see the pieces that I came back to and did more than, than once. And obviously those hold, you know, greater yeah. value for me.
0: Great. Well, as we close up here, I um, no, I wanted to talk about just you know the the feelings involved with this. I read that your last year, your uh, final concert was supposed to be May tenth, but then around May twenty sixth, I think it was, there was uh, another concert that was a little bit of a surprise for you, and it seemed kind of like a. Uh, a little Mr. Holland's Opus event there, although I never like to say that because at the end of Mr. Holland's Opus, the program was still cut, so <laughs> it's not really right. a feel-good movie there. But um, tell me, tell me how that was to have this 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 great career. You do your final concert, maybe in in inside you're saying your your goodbyes to the um, career, the school, the kids, and then all of a sudden here's just maybe a little bit of a coda that comes up. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it, it was kind of uh, strange at, at that last, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, scheduled uh, concert, you know, we did our uh, normal thing. And I, I had a couple of uh, my uh, former students from 20 or so years ago uh, came over to the concert, and it was, it was great to see them. And um, we we always ended uh, our spring concert from Lockport uh, Plainfield every spring concert from '86 to 2001. The last thing played on the spring concert was Irish tune from County Derry by Percy Granger, and it just became um, a, a very heartfelt and, and meaningful piece for the students as a tribute to the the seniors you know we would play it and I would have the seniors stand quietly one by one at the end of the piece and then I would get off the podium and go through the aisles and do hugs and handshakes and mm-hmm. and so at, at that concert you know I'd, I I didn't know whether anybody had planned uh, anything and so it ended and uh, okay okay <laughs> so uh, you know that was that and go. Okay, fine. Um, So a couple weeks later, I think it was Memorial Day Saturday, um, my wife uh, told me that uh, we're going to um, our nephew Ethan's eighth-grade graduation party in New Lenox. And uh, so, okay, we need to leave at this time and go, okay, um, we're going. And so, uh, she got in the driver's seat, I got in the passenger seat, you know, which was not usually how it how sure. it went, but sometimes did. And so, we're going uh, a different way than we would normally go to get to New Lenox. And she said, oh, traffic is bad on on I-55, so we're going to go through Plainfield and then get on 80. Yeah. So, we're getting into Plainfield. And field, did you know and, at that point? Were, no? No. Okay. No. no. Didn't, didn't know anything at that point, and... Um, and then we're going down fifty nine, and we're not going the way I think we should be going. And and she says, "Oh, we got to stop at uh, at Jimmy Johnson pick up uh, my son Hunter, who had been working there." And uh, we turned out the down Fort Beggs towards the school, and I'm thinking, "Well, there's something up here. What's going on?" And then um, you know we go into the parking lots of school. It's five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon on Memorial Day weekend, and there's two parking lots full of cars. And I go, what's going on? So we, we parked the car uh, illegally and get out of the car, <laughs> and, and we walk to the out, outer door to the, the gym, and I'm kind of wondering, okay, something's going on now. And, and she opens the door to the gym, and I walk into the gym, and there's a couple hundred people in the bleachers. And there's a band of about 110 of my former students sitting there on the floor. And, of course, I'm in tears at, yeah, at, yeah. at that point. And uh, students going back, um, I think, uh, to the late... 1980s, I think I had a student from maybe 89, 90 around that time. So students from, um, um, Lockport and, uh, one or two from Lincoln Way and a bunch from, from Plainfield that, that came back to, to be part of this uh, alumni band and, um I, I came to find out that my wife had had this under wraps for the better part of a year yeah this private Facebook everyone knew about it group <laughs> except called <you. laughs> uh, Mr Vakama's retiring or something sure. like that I knew nothing about it at all and and how and, and there were apparently about a thousand people on this thing. And how nobody spilled this, I'll never know. You know, the, yeah, the, yeah. these people need to work for the government. <laughs> um, but she managed to pull this off, and um, it was just an amazing thing. Um, uh, Chris uh, Chris Vanderwall, who has uh, followed me at Plainfield Central. Um, had a lot to do with uh, putting to concert together and one of my former students kurt gross from lockport um was one of the conductors on the performance as well and came in they were doing uh, the fight songs from lockport and and playing field and uh, my wife had put together a, a beautiful slide presentation with uh music with that and and then I got to conduct uh, Irish tune one more time with uh, with the alums. Um, very very special, and you know I I was absolutely overwhelmed with all that. And I guess I can say I'm still overwhelmed that okay. <laughs> that that all of that happened. And um, just uh, so very very blessed to have some uh, some wonderful students that. Um, I was able to make good music with uh, day after day, and you know we we grew to to care about each other. And um, you know, I, I I firmly believe that students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I, I put a lot of effort into uh, into getting to know the kids as uh, people and uh, and musicians and keep high standards along the way. Well, it sounded like a wonderful experience and a wonderful career, and I'm.
0: Glad that you're still helping out uh, students today, as I said, with the uh, the North Central uh, College and and the uh, and Oswego Plank Junior High and whatever else comes I'm up there. Oswego so, High School currently keeping yes. keeping yourself busy and out of trouble there. So right, all right, Dan. Well, thank you very much for sitting down today.
1: Thanks, Don. It's been my pleasure. Enjoyed it.